Hi, I'm Mandy Jack and I'm an academic developer at Swansea University in the Academy of Learning and Teaching, where we provide support and promote good learning and teaching practices and experiences. Welcome to A Pinch of Salt, Swansea University's learning and teaching podcast. If it has anything to do with learning and teaching in higher education, let's make sure everyone knows about it. Today, I'm talking to Tina Weber, who is the manager of the Transcription Centre here at Swansea University. Tina has been working at the university since 2005, helping to provide accessible learning materials for students with visual impairments. She describes herself as an ambassador for Swansea University and enjoys visiting specialist colleges for visually impaired students across the country, educating them about their rights in regards to going to university and encouraging them to come to Swansea. And when she isn't working hard for us at Swansea, she's most often playing hard, having a ball, teaching Zumba. So hi, Tina. It's great to have you with us today. Hi, Mandy. Lovely talking to you today. So um, let me ask the obvious question first. What exactly is the Transcription Centre? So we are a specialist unit here um, at Swansea University. We're part of the library and we provide accessible formats, accessible resources to print disabled students. And I understand that there are only a few in the UK. So do other universities use our services or? They can do um, if, we, if we can lend a hand, if we have enough staff, uh, if we can spare capacity. But yes, you're right. There are only seven other universities in the UK who have transcription centers attached or affiliated. So Swansea is really, really special in that respect. Oh, that's fabulous. And how did you get into it? Um, funny story, actually, because it's such a specialist um, kind of profession, really. Um, nothing can prepare you for it. But um, I was originally employed because at the time in 2005, we supported a lot of language students here at Swansea. And I have a language background. So I studied European languages and economics um, back in the days. And because I could, you know, edit um, transcripts in foreign languages, I guess a little bit better and could help with the um, uh, foreign language uh, audio recordings, um, I was employed and I'm still here because I truly love working for Swansea University. Yeah, me too. Oh, that sounds really interesting, Tina. And having a language background, do you think that's had a, a big impact on the way you um, see the necessity to provide accessible resources for students? Um, in a way, but I think generally, you know, the last, I'd say, 15, 20 years have really brought a big drive generally, universally for more accessibility and inclusion. So um, it's just been a development which has gone on in so many areas and working in the job I do, it's just become so apparent to me how very important it is to make our whole environment, let it be digitally or physically, more inclusive and accessible to everyone. And that's not just print disabled students. I always find when we make things more accessible, they benefit everyone, not just a specific user group. So um, it's just been an excellent learning curve for me here and really shaped the, the way I look at the world. Yeah, indeed. I mean, like you say, digital technology obviously plays a big part in all our lives. I mean, particularly in the support of learning and teaching. I mean, such as the VLE, ebooks, online registration, 
But the lack of accessibility can sort of exclude people and, and, and it can be very frustrating. What would you say are the most frustrating barriers that people can face when dealing with digital content? Um, digital content which is not accessible basically so digital content which does not fulfill the public sector body's accessibility guidelines um, that's such a strong legislation now we have behind us which encourages all public sector bodies basically to build a, a, an accessible digital environment and and if it's done well, it works incredibly well. But if it's not done well, if the, the programming of the, the structure which sits behind what we see online, if that's not done in, a, in the right way, it can just prevent people from accessing the simplest things. And, and that's incredibly frustrating and, and, and sad, you know, because we are excluding huge parts of the population if, if these things are not done right. And, and again, it's not just the the um, people with print impairments is everyone, the elderly, people with um, mobility issues, people who can't navigate, you know, who have lost dexterity, you know, we have an aging population. So this is a much bigger, um, you know, issue than just a specific group of students or people. So, um, but thankfully now, since 2018, we have legislation behind us, which looks into all aspects of the digital environment and, and that helps and gives guidance and, and explains to organizations what they can do in order to make their, um, their digital presence more accessible. Yeah, indeed. I mean, I've, I'm a, I've got slight dyslexia slight dyslexia and I remember when I first started teaching in higher education um, you know I, I've, I've used strategies all my life to try and combat that and I could never have gone to university at 18 because I wouldn't have been able to handwrite things I would have been there for days making a paragraph um, sound and look right um, but for me digital technology it saved my life but working with colleagues who um, they would be flamboyant with their fonts and their colors and their backgrounds. And I, I think it was me. I think, why can't I read that properly? What is wrong? And I would have to download it and turn it into something I could use. Didn't think for one minute that if I had to do that, there were lots of other people in the same in the same um, way. You know, the same, this is going back in like, you know, like you to 2005. And, um, and then I started thinking, well, the best thing I could do really is make things um, editable for them so that if, if they don't like what I've given them, at least they can change it. So exactly. I, yeah, so thinking, so clearly one size does not fit all um, in, in this approach. Is it necessary to get to know your students? Is that something you have to sort of do? Oh, absolutely. So when we're talking about, you know, specific adjustments for students, we, we very much have a student led approach. So we because everyone, so each eye condition, for instance, is different. And it manifests itself differently for each individual. And then each individual may have fluctuations on how they experience it due to fatigue or other stress factors. Um, so no, no print impaired student will ever experience what they experience the same way as compared to somebody else. So it's very, very important to have that student-led approach also because students have different assistive technology they use. So whereas one student might use a screen reader, somebody else might want to work with magnification. 
or even talking about screen readers, there are different bonds available. So we basically meet with every student we support before they, um, they start to study here. And we just hash out a plan. We sit down and say, look, what works for you? What have you used in the past? How do you approach this, that, and the other? And what can we do to help you? And how would you like us to prepare the material for you? And then we also go to great lengths to say, and this is not set in stone. If things change for you, if you find one thing doesn't work, we talk about it and we provide something else. So it's very much student-led. It's very much focused on what the individual needs. And um, also down to the communication preferences. You know, some students don't want to be bombarded with information. Some students just want to have a text message. Some students don't like receiving 101 emails. So all these things are really, really important because obviously, like you described your own experience, if, if you have a tendency to maybe um, find certain fonts difficult to read, or if you're overwhelmed by a plethora of information, obviously we need to cut that down. We need to narrow it down and then just have a targeted approach. And, and it's really nice because it enables us to get to know the students well. And because we work so closely for some of them with their timetabling, we, we're just really involved. And that's a fun aspect of the job, you know, because we get to touch on so many subject areas we we are not experts in or we've never kind of involved ourselves in. So we see all these amazing things. Students get to study here and we see how the lectures work and what they do and this incredible knowledge which we have here at Swansea. And, and then we turn it into a format the student can use. And sometimes we have to think really hard how we go about it. And that's great also because it makes you stop and you you have to kind of really use your brain to think, okay, how am I going to describe the muscle structure of the torso to somebody who can't see it very well? You know, and this is this is fun. So yeah, so it's 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 a great job. I love it. I'm I started out as a transcription coordinator and and I still very much am involved in the daily transcriptions for students and I don't want to give that part of my of my role up ever because it's what I really enjoy doing. It's an amazing service, Tina. It really is. And it does sound very interesting and very exciting because as you say, it's it's different every day. So how would um so a student would already be assigned to you before they came to university. What if they um, came to university and then and then they developed a need for your services? How, how would they go about, um, you know, getting um, something set up? Yeah, again, this is such a good question, Randy, because that happens quite a lot. So again, you mentioned dyslexia. Very often students develop coping mechanisms throughout um, primary and uh, college education and they can cope just fine and then they come to university and they realize okay there's so much more reading to do there's so much more information I'm getting and then they realize there might be something you know not quite right so we then have a late diagnosis of dyslexia for instance um, so the best way to go about it for a student will be to get a formal diagnosis then discuss their need with the disability office and the disability office once that medical diagnosis is um, available and and with us they can then do an assessment of needs 
it's basically a plan outlining what strategies can put in place for the student so that they can study successfully. And, and then within that assessment of needs, there will be a paragraph saying the student qualifies for transcription support. And then the disability office will relay the student information to us. We get in touch with the student and start from there. It's not ideal because obviously we like to go into the term prepared for the student. We like to start, you know, from the word go. We'd like to um, see a student arrive here and provide them with reading list material already, just because it needs to be equal and a student without a print disability could just go in the library and help themselves to these resources. But we can always pick up and I always say, you know, better, better late than never. So it's it's to start the support later on is definitely possible. It just needs to go through the disability office. And also we need some kind of medical evidence. Yes, I, I thought as much because it is such a specialist field and such a specialist um, service that you provide. What about staff? I mean, can they use your service and what should they know about to guide their students to you? Really, that's probably my question. Yeah, um, they can absolutely use our service and um, and yeah, they can just get in touch with us if they have, you know, a query about a student or even, even better, a query about how they can make their resources more accessible. So we're always very happy to help. I'm very happy to give little workshops to say, look, there's some basic principles of universal design. If you follow these five top tips, everybody will benefit, you know? So um, yeah, just get in touch, um, find us on Twitter or um, we have a webpage, part of the university webpages and um, just drop us a line or give us a Zoom call. I'm, I'm always more than happy to talk and explain and 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 annoy people with, you know, what they can do. Um, I've been singing this song for 15 years and I'm not going to, you know, stop anytime soon. So, yeah, I'm, um, and, and there's no such thing as a stupid question. And I have, when, when the um, public sector bodies accessibility regulations were introduced, we ran a lot of workshops together with the web team to let content creators know what they can do. And then in the aftermath, so to say, I had people send me documents and say, look, does that work with a screen reader? What does that look like? How can I make it more accessible? And, you know, as long as I have time, I'm very happy to look over them and, you know, run them through a screen reader. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's just talk to us. That's just the best way really. Yeah, well, I would like to put lots of those links in, in with the show notes for, for today's um, episode, if that's OK. And, and if you've got um, a link for a, a free screen reader, maybe that's that, that staff yes. or students can use, that would be good because then they can test their own rather than bombard you. Exactly. Um, so the, the most sophisticated screen reader on the market called JAWS, just like in the film, um, actually offers a 45 minute free demo. So everybody can just download it. And as long as they don't use it for longer than 45 minutes, um, they can test their own documents and experience what a blind student or a visually impaired student would experience when they use it. Yeah, oh, that, that's, that's fabulous. Yeah, thank you very much for that. Um, okay, so what's been the biggest challenge so far for you? And, and how did that make you feel? Um, Biggest challenge is um, it can be scientific subjects. So traditionally, students with 
print impairments would, like years back, focus on subjects such as languages and history, just because they're kind of or law, because you have a lot of text which can be recorded or transcribed um, or made accessible. Um, now students seem to be branching or are branching, thankfully, more into sciences, you know, maths, theoretical physics. And obviously, that's a very specialist subject area, even for transcriptions. And also none of us are mathematicians or scientists by background. So we do face certain limitations in that respect. Um, also, some subjects are still very much um, taught in the um, chalk and talk approach. So where a formulae may be developed on a blackboard again, or, um, you know, on Zoom, on a whiteboard, on an interactive whiteboard, it, that's not always easy to work with. Um, so yeah, there are definitely challenges there just because the subject is specialized or because the teaching method is just that way. Um, and then sometimes, uh, people may not understand the requirements of the students. So some students have multiple disabilities. So you will see a print impairment together with maybe another condition. And again, that, that needs a certain approach. And if that's not taken on board, that can create a lot of stress for the student, which again, we don't want to see um, and it's 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 hard for us and because you know if we know about it um, and it's out of and we can't control it that that can be hard yeah yeah but you know generally the staff are great and I had some great experiences with members of staff in the last year where they said well um, can we teach our students when they write our presentations how to make them accessible so they know what they need to do in the future and and that worked well, you know, so when there were peer group presentations going on, these presentations needed to be accessible because there was a print impaired student on the course. And that way we, you know, the, the, the lecture was teaching already not only the subject, but also how to present the subject in an accessible way. So we are creating accessible and inclusive thinkers for the future. Oh, I like that. Accessible and inclusive thinkers for the future. Tina, that is brilliant. Because <laughs> I was going to ask you, have you got a particular success story? And clearly that is one of them. But is there anything else that, you know, you're proud of, you know, you're proud of the team for? Or is there something particular that's that's a really good story? Well, there's so many stories. You know, every student who graduates from Swansea University is a success story, not just the visually impaired students, every student, but if some of our students who, who face these you know, obstacles, um, not just the obstacles of making it on their own and becoming independent and studying successfully, but dealing with a, with a, um, a disability at the same time, um, that's, so every student for me is a success story. Um, my team, is a success story because I'm so proud of all the different skills we bring together. So I'm a great believer into enabling people to do what they're good at. Um, and I love the fact that the team, we all have such different skills and strengths and they come together and that makes us better. Um, but yeah, there are students, like one in particular is a student, um, they have been with us um, since they were an undergraduate. Um, facing multiple challenges and they've persevered and they've gone on to, to now um, doing a PhD still with us. So 
that student, I never want them to leave because we've <laughs> worked together for such a long time and I've seen this person develop personally, academically and, and in all aspects. And I could see what the, the program here at Swansea taught that student. And they've gone from somebody who was very shy and wouldn't want to speak up in meetings to someone who's leading successful focus groups and, and interviewing people and, and doing interview-based research. So that is just amazing. It gives me goosebumps just talking about it. And for us to see that, it's, it's wonderful. All the students who've gone on um, after studying here to go into the world of employment, who are employed now and, and, and have jobs, and we can, you know, we follow them on Twitter, we see what they're doing. That's just wonderful. And this is why what we do is so rewarding. Uh, it, it really sounds it. I mean, being a lecturer is rewarding, but I think when you see students who have come through such adversity to get where they are because they've had to level that playing field themselves in so many ways exactly. um, you know exactly. I, I don't believe in disability it's the fact that the environment that we're in is disabling and I, I really think that passionately um, so it is it's down to us to make sure that we can do whatever we can to to support our students isn't it exactly absolutely so that that you know that worldview that 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 social model of disability yes. really that's and the, the 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 principles of universal design you know if we as long as we don't forget that as long as we think about that we just create we widen our access and we are more inclusive and we just create a, a, a better learning environment for everybody a better world exactly so what aspects of your personal life do you think have helped you in your role um oh that's that's a kind of a difficult question um I feel like more my role has made my personal life richer because I consider different experiences in in my own view of the world. Um, I think it helps that I'm a excitable, positive and enthusiastic person. I think that definitely helps when you want to convince people to to help you or to to work with you. Um, so I guess I can I can bring a lot of that you know into the role um, because I have that that drive you know to to change things. Um, but I think it's a very mutual sort of um, positive influence in both directions. So I I can't say that's just been one way. So I've definitely taken a lot for my own personal development almost from what I do here. I like that thought really that you know we our lives aren't separate are they and, and they're bound to overlap but I like the fact that you feel more that what you've done over the last 15 years has had an impact on 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 the way you see the world and the way you see your life that that's um that's a very rich thing to take away with you isn't it? Yeah and I, I guess this is why I'm I'm so enthusiastic about what I do and, and I'm, I'm enjoying what I do so much. And that's, that's worth a lot, you know, because we, we do spend a, a big majority of our day working. And I, I'm really always in, in awe of all the colleagues I can work with here and the, the skill, the knowledge, the passion. And this is why I feel Swansea University is a wonderful place um, to work and to grow as, as, as a person and, and to develop and change because we've all been through 
a lot of changes and I don't just mean the pandemic. I'm, I can see the last 15 years, so many things have changed, especially in technological advances, in digital inclusion, in, in legislation. And it's great to keep on changing with, with a big group of people. Um, so it's, it's definitely been a fantastic experience. We've come to the end of uh, our questions that, um, that I wanted to ask you. But we've got some salty questions we'd like to ask you. They're a bit of fun. Okay. Excellent. Okay. So what's the last book you read for pleasure? Um, the, oh, I'm reading it right now. It's called The Beach Read. Oh, that sounds nice. Something to take on holiday. Exactly. <laughs> okay. And if you, who would you most like to have to dinner? They could be dead or alive. Oh, oh, Pablo Escobar. Oh, why? I, I just think he's a mean, mean person and I want to ask him why. <laughs> Lovely. I like that. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> what advice would you give your 15-year-old self? Um, this is difficult. Um, keep doing what you're doing. I like that. Yep. I think you've come you've come far, Tina. So that's pretty good <laughs> advice to give anybody. Okay. And other than your phone, have you got a favorite gadget? Is your phone even your favorite gadget? Um I have a love-hate relationship with my phone. I I love what it can do. But at the same time, it worries me that what I couldn't do without it, if that makes sense. Um, I love how much I can connect with people all over the world, um, with friends and family. At the same time, sometimes I just want to disconnect and go back to the olden days where we had to write a letter or pick up the phone. Um, my second favorite gadget, um, but um, the Kindle, I'm, I love reading and I eat books. I, I, I read them so quickly. And I love the fact that um, with a Kindle, you can just download the next one straight away. You get recommendations. If you'd like something, you get uh, ideas of what else you could be reading. It's just so easy. And I love that because you have so many books at your fingertips. And that's mine too. And, and like you say, I wouldn't have discovered as many authors as I have if I hadn't had a Kindle. Exactly. Mm, exactly. Yeah. Okay. And this question, I might know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What is your preferred way to unwind and relax? Um, have a really, really good workout or lie in the sun on a beach. Oh, that's a perfect answer. And that's a perfect ending to a really nice chat. Thank you very much, Tina, for joining us here on A Pinch of Salt. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been lovely talking to you. And um, the podcast is amazing. I can't wait to, you know, listen to all the other people you're going to interview. Well, maybe you come back uh, another time and, and, and talk to us about something else. That'd be really good. Excellent. Why not? Thank you very much. Thank Bye. You. Bye.